Now turn with me today in your Bible to Second Timothy. Second <coughs> Timothy, and we're going to read from verse sorry, chapter two, and we're going to read from verse fifteen. Second Timothy chapter two. And we're going to read from the verse 15. If you've all found a place, then we'll give attention to reading. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 15. <clears throat> Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. <coughs> Rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase <coughs> unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Who concerning the truth of erred. Saying that the resurrection is past already. And overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver. But also of wood and of earth and some to honour, and some to dishonour. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honour, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, and but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender stripes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Amen. We know God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his holy scripture. Now my text this morning is taken from Second Timothy chapter 2 and verses 20 and 21. And my theme today is the description and declaration of vessels. Now I was in the kitchen a few days ago. You can understand my wife hasn't been too well of late. And I have been trying my hand at certain culinary skills. And of course I, I'm not a chef or a cook. And there were some extra potatoes, uh, peeled too many, man would do 
and they were in the pot and they didn't want to throw them out. And I asked the question, have we got a vessel? Meaning, of course, a pot or a container to put these potatoes in and cover them with cling film and put them into the fridge and uh, use them at a later time. And, of course, I was instructed as to where I would find a, a container or a vessel uh, to put them in. And that got me thinking. <clears throat> the word vessel, I've already read that word in the Bible. I've got verses in my Bible where that word is underlined. So I, I, I looked up this BibleGateway.com again, uh, and I discovered that in the authorised version, which of course we read from and use, that the word vessel, singular, is used 171 times. You can look it up for yourself. And then I added the word, or the letter S, and got the word vessels. And again, I did, using the search engine, look for the usage of the word vessels. And there was a further 132 times. So I added them together. 303 references to the word vessels. Now that's a lot. My mind was already on 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. Let's read it together. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honour and some to dishonour. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honour, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Now there's three things I want to mention this morning. Just as you think about the description and declaration of vessels in the Bible, there's three things I want to set before you. The first thing is the mentioning of the vessel. Look again at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. You can underline it in your Bible. It mentions there, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. That's a reference to wooden vessels, and that's a reference to earthen vessels, vessels of clay. So here's Paul, and he's telling Timothy, Timothy, I want you to think of a great house. There have been great houses in Ephesus and Timothy's day where he was the pastor. Think of a big mansion. Rich people live there, and in their house you'll find all kinds of vessels. Vessels of gold, vessels of silver, vessels of wood, and vessels of earth. Now, now keep that in mind. I want to read another scripture, this time from Ezra chapter 8 and verse 26. Here's one of those 303 references to the word vessels. Ezra eight twenty six. I even weighed under their hands 650 talents of silver, and silver vessels, an hundred talents, and of gold, that's also vessels, an hundred talents, also twenty basins of gold, of a thousand drams, and two vessels of fine copper, precious as gold. And I said unto them, 
ye are holy unto the Lord. The vessels are holy also, and the silver and the gold are a freewill offering unto the Lord God of your fathers. Let me just throw in a, a, another reference. Uh, we were taught in the Bible College about the law of first mention. And it's also interesting to find out uh, not only how many references there are to a particular word in the Bible, but where it's first mentioned. And it's first mentioned, interestingly enough, in Genesis chapter 43. And it says in verse 11, And their father Israel said unto them, So when you think of old Jacob, and he's sending his, his sons now down into Egypt, they're going for the second time. It says, if it must be so, now do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh and nuts and almonds. Here were uh, fruits for Joseph that were carried in vessels. Now what I want you to grasp this morning, something very simple. Something that's elementary. I want you to look at your Bible. It costs nothing to look at the scriptures. And here are just a few references out of the 303 that mentions vessels. And I want you to understand and making the point now that the use of the words vessels is a reference to something. But before we get to that, let me just establish the point that the word itself is mentioned in the Bible. Dr. Paisley used to say, if you have nothing else to say, get the folks to, to remember the text. And here's the text, 2 Timothy 2 and 20. In a great house, there are vessels of different kinds. And you've got the theme, we're thinking about vessels now. And I want you to give you a truth. Because the vessels are a picture of something. They're a pattern of something. They're there for a purpose. And here it is in the Bible. And just don't hear my voice this morning. Let the Lord speak to you. Let the truth enter into your soul. Let the truth Penetrate in your mind. What was the Reverend McLaughlin talking about in church this morning? He was talking about vessels. He, he mentioned them. That was in the text. Here it is. This is the truth. Here's the theme. Description and the declaration of vessels. Now something else just about vessels. Not only the mentioning of the vessels. But the meaning of the vessels. What does the reference to the vessels mean? Now, I want to just stick with our text. And I want to put it in context. Note the word, but in a great house. There are not only vessels of gold and of silver. You see, I believe that this reference, in a great house, while it's a reference possibly to a mansion, whether in Ephesus or some other part of the world, it is really a picture 
of their professing church. Remember, as I've said, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy's the young preacher left by Paul to pastor the church at Ephesus. If you think of the context, verse 15 he says to him, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He says in verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings. And then he adds, for or because they will increase unto more ungodliness. You see, Paul knows that in every church, local or denominational, that it's vital to have a ministry of sound doctrine. And he knows, in contrast, that there's nothing more destructive in a church than false doctrine, or a false teacher who has crept in under a pretense, crept in unawares. And he really come in with the mindset that he's going to subvert the true people of God and he's going to seduce the true people of God away from the truth into a pathway of error. Now, now look with me at verse 17. Keep in mind the context. And their word will eat as doth a canker. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. So he's mentioning two false teachers. And he's linking their teaching to a canker. Do you see that? And their word will eat as doth a canker. What is a canker? Well, if you look at the margin of your Bible, I've got a margin here and it's a reference to gangrene. Gangrene is a dangerous, deadly disease to the human body. I'm not medically minded, I'm not a doctor, but gangrene is not a pretty sight. It's a disease that eats away at the human flesh and it not be stopped unless it's cut away or unless limbs are amputated whether it's toes or whether it's the ankle or whether it's the, below the knee or even a, a, above the knee right up to the thigh but left untreated gangrene will eat away at that individual until that individual is dead and what Paul is saying is that, that false doctrine the false teacher in the church, uh, having a, a worldly lifestyle, having a worldly mindset, Timothy, you must regard it as gangrene. And Timothy, you must treat it in the same way as gangrene. And Timothy, if it's not dealt with, it will eat the lifeblood of the church. <coughs> Look at the consequences. Verse 18, who concerning the truth of erred, he's talking about these false teachers, their false doctrine. And what was one of the things that they were saying? That the resurrection is past already. So in other words, there's no resurrection to come. They've spiritualized it away. And look at the consequence. And overthrew the faith of some. In other words, some have fallen by the wayside. Some have turned away from following Christ. And then he adds, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. While there's false teachers, 
crept into the professing church, bringing in false doctrine that's like a gangrene, eating away at the lifeblood of the church, no matter how evil they are, no matter how they operate, they will not destroy or move the foundation of God. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. The foundation of God is Jesus Christ. Those who love profane babblings can't destroy the eternal truth of God. God's word is forever settled in heaven. It's eternally secure. We could say this morning, the Lord liveth. We could say also, the Lord God omnipoteth reigneth. And we've got an answer to the atheists who say that there is no God. And the answer is this, the Lord God liveth. The Lord God omnipoteth reigneth. We've got an answer to those who say there's no such thing as a blood atonement. Isn't that what they call it? A, a, a slaughterhouse religion? That They claim that that's what we believe in. We've got an answer. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. To those that say there's no resurrection, it's past, we've got an answer. He is not here. He is risen. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. You see, the foundation of God stands sure. God himself is the foundation in the person and work of Christ. And the foundation of God not only stands sure, but the foundation of God is sealed. Notice the words, nevertheless the foundation standeth sure, having this seal. And what is it? The Lord knows them that are his. The Lord can pick out his own. If we change the analogy from a house to a field, in the field there's the wheat and the tares. And the Lord can say, having picked out his own, these are mine. This is my wheat. In other words, they can be identified. They can be spotted. And then he adds the words. And, which is very important, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And then he comes to verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honour and some to dishonour. Now, We've already mentioned the vessels. Four kinds of vessels in the great house. Two precious and two that are plain. Now what's it a reference to? You, you see, when I asked the question a few days ago, have you got a vessel, thinking of a container to put the potatoes in, that got me thinking. What's it? When the Bible mentions the word vessels, what's it a reference to? And I've come to this conviction, this conclusion. Now, I'm not saying that I'm infallible. I'm not saying that I have all the light, folks. If you think of something different, please come and talk to me. But as I have tried to read and study a bit in relation to this, I believe that it's a reference to the kinds of people that you find in a professing church. 
Paul is a realist. And he's dealing with the reality of the church as he finds it in Timothy's day and in his day. And what do you expect to find in the church? Well, there's two kinds of people. They're saved and unsaved. There's true saints. And there's even false saints. True saints are vessels of honor. And false professing saints, they're really vessels of dishonor. Now, I hope you've got the picture now. I've taken time to labor the point. We've mentioned vessels. I'm trying to give you the meaning of the vessels here. I've put it in the context of what Paul has been dealing with as he writes to Timothy. It's a picture of a professing church. And he's using an illustration. He says, Timothy, but in a great house, Timothy in a mansion. You've got in that mansion two types of wear. You've got everyday wear. Common, inexpensive stuff. You've got vessels of wood and you've vessels of clay. And you know that from our house. Uh, we can have wooden bowls. We can have wooden spoons. We can have clay pots. But alongside the everyday wear, and this is true for all our houses, is it not? We've also got some very expensive stuff. Now, I'm not going to say or suggest that we have vessels of gold or vessels of silver. But we could have some fine china. Whenever Rosemary and I got married... Uh, one of the things that Rosemary collected, notice I said Rosemary collected, I had never heard tell of it, would have known nothing about it, a cup's a cup, uh, but it's called Victoria Anna Rose China. I hope I've pronounced it right, maybe I haven't, but it's, it's pink stuff and, and wee flowers on it, and it looks nice, and it's got a stamp at, at, at the bottom. Now, now here's the point. In the professing church, Paul is saying to Timothy, you're going to find both Timothy. You'll find true saints and you'll find false professing saints. And those true saints, well, they're going to be like vessels of honor in the house. And those false professing saints, well, sadly, they'll be vessels of dishonor. And that's true locally. It has to be true denominationally. It has to be true globally. We in the Free Presbyterian Church, we would never say that everyone who is in membership, certainly communicant or congregational membership, is a true born-again believer. What we say is the Lord knows them that are his. If there's an outward credible profession of faith, then we take it as it stands. Bible says and that everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We'll come back to that. But in the professing church you'll find the false professor. See the false professor? He'll not shine for the honour and glory of God. He'll not put God first in his or her life. They'll not be characterised by a spirit of holiness. Not the holiness of life. Holiness of lip. They'll not be burdened to live for the Lord. They'll not even mind spoiling their testimony. There's a spirit of coldness and carelessness. They're often disobedient to God's word. 
And that can refer to the Sabbath day keeping, that can refer to tithing, can refer to so many areas that the, the attitude of God's word is, so what? Like, like Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And there's a vexing of the Lord. And there has to be a grieving of the Spirit of God. Such individuals would never mention the Lord. They'll not pray to him, neither publicly or privately. They go through the week, they go through the month, never open their mouth and calling upon the Lord. And they don't read their Bibles. The Bible's a closed book. And they don't sing to the Lord. Remember Paul and Silas were able to sing and pray at midnight? The Lord's name's not on their lips. What they have is an outward profession. They might even have made a claim to being a Christian. But, but it's, it's, it's shallow. It's short and true sanctification. Making a claim. But what kind of vessel are they? Is it a vessel of honour? Or a vessel to dishonour? And I have to say to you this morning... The true Christian is never referred to as a vessel unto dishonor in the Bible. I, I can't see it. It's true that the Christian is like a vessel. And a couple of weeks ago, remember, we talked about 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, where we've got this treasure in earthen vessels. And the earthen vessel, of course, refers to our body. And the treasures Christ and the glory of the gospel. Romans 9 and 22 talks about vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. Romans 9 23 talks about the vessels of mercy. You see, I, I want to emphasize that point. Uh, the, the vessel to dishonor is a reference to the false professor. The one who makes a claim. But there's, there's nothing to back up the claim. He, he says it with his mouth, but, but there's nothing to show. I don't believe it's a reference to second-class carnal Christians. I, I don't think there is any such thing in the Bible. You can't say Christ is my Savior, but not my Lord. He has to be Lord and Savior at the same time. We can be carnal in certain areas. We all are. That's true of me. Cold. But that's not the bent of our life. And you'll find that these vessels to dishonor, they're not really precious to the master. They're not esteemed highly in his sight. They're not praised. They're not esteemed valuable. Oh yes, they're in the same house. Or we could put it maybe in the same cabinet. But you don't. When somebody comes into your house say, Oh, would you like to look at my wooden spoon? Or would you like to look at my wooden bowl? But if you've got a golden spoon, you might want to say, take a wee look at that. See how valuable that is. Or look at this golden bowl that I have. Worth a lot of money. Do you know, I'm, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to auction it off. Give the money to the Lord and, and to the church. They're in the church now. And they hear the gospel. And they live under the pretense of being the Lord's. But you know being in the church. And having an interest in the gospel. And hearing the word of God. Doesn't save a man. It doesn't sanctify a man. Aren't there ministers in the church? Aren't there elders? Kirk elders? 
Aren't there those who are in membership of local congregations all over Northern Ireland? And the truth is that they're not saved. And the truth is that they're not sanctified. And while I believe that membership is necessary and valuable and it's the right place to be in the house of God, I find it amazing that these vessels to dishonor are still useful in the master's service. God can use the unsaved even for his glory. Also, or very quickly, you'll find true believers. You see, um, where did Paul ever get this idea or this concept in a great house there of not only vessels of gold and of silver? Where did he get the idea of vessels of gold and silver? I'm convinced that he, he borrowed it from Ezra the scribe under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course. Because as we read in Ezra chapter 8, verse 26 to verse 28, he mentions there and silver vessels. And golden vessels. And then he says, And I said unto them, Ye are holy unto the Lord. The vessels are holy also. See, in the Old Testament tabernacle in the temple, these golden and silver vessels were used in the service of God. And they were precious to the master. They were made of silver and gold. And they were worth a lot. <coughs> Obviously, they were taken from the earth. They were given to the... Um, craftsman and the refiner they endured the fire and in the process of refinement they were changed from being simple ore into something precious and an object of great beauty and isn't that a picture of the true believer taken from the earth changed by the grace of God made into a vessel of mercy precious to the master a vessel now made for the master's use a different kind of vessel a vessel of honour a vessel that was purchased. A vessel that has become the master's property. And let's remember that our hearts are not just the master's, but the whole of our body it belongs to the master. If I could make one further reference to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says in verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. That's his body. Our bodies are vessels. They're the property of the masters. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Now that's the meaning of the vessels. And all we're doing is opening up the subject. Now let me mention one final point because it's, it's, it's past the time. The marking of the vessels. You see, each of these silver vessels and golden vessels, or even the best china, would have a mark. And you know to this day, if you buy a golden object or a silver object, goblet or cup or whatever, spoon, it will have a mark and a stamp on it. And that will tell you who made it, and probably date the year that it was made in. It will also prove that it's genuine. And here's the question. In the marking of the vessels, gold and silver, what's the mark? Well, let me just refer you back to the context and then we're through. In verse 19, 
Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Here's the seal. God has put a mark on you. God has put a mark on me. And if we take the name of Christ on our lips, if we make an outward profession that we belong to the Lord, here's the proof. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He adds in verse 21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honour, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. We'll come back and look at that at another time. But, but to, to think of the mark, turning your back on a life of sin and a life of shame. Turning your back on a life of sin and shame so that you can shine to please the master. You see, isn't it true that many profess today to love the Lord? They've got their gallop, their talents, their gifts. They make their offering. They're involved in the Lord's service. They're doing this stuff and that stuff. But at the same time, openly religious, in the service, but guilty of open sin. Bold, even to the point where they forgot to blush. Guilty of secret sin. Guilty of the hidden sins of the heart. True believers, of course, should not live a different kind of life at home than they do in the house of God. They strive to be clean in the home as well as strive to be clean in the house of God. Holiness of life, that's his goal. And he never be sinlessly perfect, but he strives to be holy. And his usefulness is revealed in a holy life. Let me close with this thought. How many of you would use a dirty vessel? If you had a vessel of gold or silver, or even a wooden vessel, or a clay vessel, how many of you would use a dirty vessel? The answer is none. Even when we and somebody important come into your house, and whether it's Rosemary and I, and they get down to Victoria Anna Rose, China, uh, and one of the things that we do, why, dear, you have to wash it. But it's okay, it's, it's in the cupboard, it's clean, but you still have to wash it, because there might be dust on it. Somebody that's using it might say, oh, there's a speck of dust here. You wouldn't think of getting a plate with encrusted food that's been used before, left on it, never been through the dishwasher, never scraped off, and setting it down in front of someone else. Can you imagine putting a big steak and chips in the side of somebody's plate and here's a, a, a rim of encrusted food that's been left from the dishwasher um, a few times before? What would the guests think? It would put them off eating the meal. No, you, you clean it before you use it. And we, in the service of Christ, we have to be marked by holy living. We, 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 we say no to sin, and we say yes to shining for the Master. And that's the marking of the vessel. That's what sets it apart. Each vessel has a mark. Sanctified means set apart. Separate from being false, separate from being a, a, a dirty vessel, reserved for the master's use. I'm the Lord's property. None of us in the church are probably outward by bad and open sins, but we can be given to employing our tongues in a sinful way. We can 
even use maybe profane language by times. But let's remember this. As a vessel, I belong to the Lord. As a vessel, I need to keep my body clean. As a vessel, I've got to look after it to the glory of God. See, we live in days of a breakdown in morals, don't we? That there's no restraints today. The restraints are off. That there's no rules. There's no real restrictions. We live in a sordid, immoral age. But the Christian is different. Why? Because he's got a mark upon him. It's the Lord's mark. This is my property. Because they're mine. They'll say no to certain things. And they'll shine for me. There's the little thought for today. Sorry it has taken so long. Just the declaration, the description of the vessel. You think of the mentioning of the vessels in the Bible. 303 times. Remember the text and the theme. Think about the meaning. Vessels in the professing church. What, What kind of vessel am I? Am I a true believer? Or am I a false professor? That's a serious question. And then thinking about the marking of the vessel. How do you know? God's people are marked. That they belong to the Lord. May the Lord take these few thoughts. Bless them to us. We'll open up the theme at another time. Now our time is gone. We'll not sing the closing hymn. Which was take my life. We'll just have a moment's prayer. Lord take these few things that have been in yourself today. Have mercy upon us as we seek to open up this subject about vessels in the Bible. And we just pray that you'll help us to apply it even in our own hearts and in our own lives. We ask thee now to part us in your fear and with your favour. Pray you'll take us each to our homes in safety. And we pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of thyself and the communion of the Holy Spirit will be upon us both now and evermore. Amen.